Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, Knoll Nation. My name is Chris Sharp, and this is the Believe in FSU Football Podcast. Now, Believe is the number one sports podcast network on the internet, and so please like and subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. And follow me on Twitter at underscore Chris Sharp underscore, or use the hashtag BelieveFSU. Now, Syracuse is 3-4 and four on the season. They just lost to Pittsburgh last week. And, but Florida State also lost as well on the road at Wake Forest, 22-20. to 20. So both teams were 3-4 and four on the season. It's homecoming. The game is here in Tallahassee at 3.30. The crowd's going to be pretty loud, hopefully. Everyone's going to show up. It's homecoming weekend, so it should be a nice atmosphere. But Syracuse is looking to get a little revenge after losing to Pittsburgh last week. So to kind of help preview the Syracuse's team, I brought on Andrew Graham, who's a senior staff writer at the Daily Orange Student Publication, and he's going to help break down Syracuse's offense, defense, and special teams. So if you enjoy the show, please tune in and like and subscribe. We're on TuneIn app, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast, we're on it. So thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. We have Andrew Graham on the show. So Andrew, how did Syracuse perform against Pittsburgh last week? Um. I think it was sort of a similar type performance to what they did against North Carolina State in that it was the defense played well enough to give Syracuse a chance to win. I know they went down 24-6, to but um, really you can't be upset with a, a defense that's held teams to 16-27. and It's just the offense and the offensive line and inability to pass, protect, and run the ball in particular have been what's really, really hamstrung Syracuse. And I think at this point, seven games into the year, it's clearly an issue beyond, you know, game planning or scheming. It's they don't have the personnel to just be good enough on the offensive line this year. Coming into this week, that's obviously does not spell good results for Syracuse against, I mean, Florida State is down, but Florida State is still 
got a talented roster of guys who get after the quarterback. They always do. And it just seems unlikely that the offensive line finds a consistency that it hasn't all year. I will say, besides the up front with the D tackles, I will say that on the edge, it's been a little bit lackluster for Florida State. So if there is a week where you might be able to get some uh, pass protection, this might be it. Now, running the ball, I'm not sure. But now, I guess getting into the passing game, let's talk about Tommy DeVito. How has he performed this year, and how do you expect? What do you expect from him coming into this matchup? Uh, I think DeVito's been fine when you consider it's really his first bulk college football experience this year, and that the offensive line he's playing behind has not been able to keep him upright. Uh, he started out rough with some interceptions, and really, definitely was trying to to throw the ball as much as he could and be that pocket passer, that like gunslinger for Syracuse. Um, and he's really, I, I think, overall offensive struggles aside, I would say DeVito's had a fine year. Um, unfortunately, with the sort of state of the team around him, he needs to have more than that if Syracuse is going to be successful, i.e. he has to be putting up sort of the dungy-like games of where he's he's throwing for 350 yards and somehow accounting for like four total touchdowns and he just hasn't had that sort of extra level of taking over an offense too which is I I suppose really not surprising if I'm not mistaken DeVito played a lot last season right he came in for Dungy in a couple situations and I believe he played against Florida State too correct yeah it was it was like spot duty for injury spot duty for the only time he came in because Dungy was struggling was the comeback against North Carolina where he played like the final like six minutes of regulation and then overtime Mm -hmm. Um, but he played like most of the second half and then like the final half of the second quarter against Florida state last year and was good. Um, which is probably what a lot of Florida state fans remember of him. And then his biggest outing was actually against Notre Dame where he really, really struggled. Um, but I, knowing that Notre Dame went to the playoff last year, it wasn't really surprising. And DeVito, I mean, DeVito had two interceptions, if I recall from that Mm. game, but it wasn't like he played abysmally. He just clearly was overmatched right and then in the passing game with uh, Tristan Jackson and Taj Harris kind of what do what does the offense expect to do on a kind of a series series basis is it more of a, a quick passing attack more deep shots or how exactly do they like do they like to attack the defense um I think by necessity it's going to be uh, they're going to lean into the the tempo the quick sideline to sideline sort of getting the ball out to like you said, Taj Harris, Tristan Jackson, even, you know, Sean Riley and other guys down the receiver depth chart, just like get it to them in space and let them make a play because, you know, on the boundary is one of the few areas where Syracuse has, you know, it's it's, their receiving core is among the best in the ACC. I would be willing to argue. And it's just been a matter of, you know, getting those guys the ball and they haven't been able to consistently have the pass protection to throw down field, but they're, as good as any team I've watched this year at getting their guys the ball on screens and space like quickly just to give them a chance. Um, as far as running the ball, the only luck they've had really or, or sec- success scheme-wise is when they brought in Clayton Welch against Pitt at QB to sort of give them that like bigger run, running QB look. But if that's just going to be like the straight look, then teams will just key up the run against him and they're going to have to find a way to get creative to run the ball. And I don't know if they have any obvious solutions that work this week. And so basically with the offensive line, well, who, even though it's kind of a weakness, who would you say, what, what position or who, which player is probably the best on the line? And where, where would you say the, the weakest link is? Um, I mean, the tough spots are definitely a tackle. That's just where they have an experience. Ryan Alexander is the grad transfer who's 
only been in Syracuse since I think the summer, if not like fall camp. And in the way that Syracuse had a grad transfer tackle workout last year in Cota Martin, it isn't this year. Um, not a knock on Alexander personally. He just has not been that good. Neither has uh, right tackle Carlos Federello. They've both struggled. They're both new. It's expected. But those two have really de- – like, uh, those two are the ones that show up on tape the most. I can't say that they're necessarily missing assignments more than other guys or anything like that because I don't necessarily know their assignments. But they're definitely getting torched. Um, you can see them like they overset a lot. The strength is inside with Evan Adams and Aaron Service, but Service was supposed to be the left tackle this year, and Sam Heckel, who is hurt, is supposed to be playing center. Um, so they sort of had to reshuffle with Heckel being out, and that's led to two inexperienced tackles, which has been probably the, the two at least most obvious spots. Then moving on to the defensive side of the ball, how does the Syracuse defense like to attack various offenses? Are they more conservative, or are they more aggressive in their coverage? Um. They're they're sort of an aggressive zone team, if that makes any sense. They do they, they play man and zone in a decent mix, but um, they really like to get creative with a couple different players, maybe not so much scheme. Like Trill Williams is a nickelback, I know, is someone who they like to blitz, they like to, to drop back into a zone. He can sort of match up with a running back through a receiver. Unfortunately for them, he is currently out. We don't know what the injury is. Uh, recording this podcast at about 9.50 on Monday morning, Babers press conference is about two hours. Um, basically, they might be down him, they might be down Antoine Cordy, but back Ifatu Melanfano and Andre Sisko. Um, so it's really, it's kind of like, I liken them to the Eagles in 2017, where it's, they want to predicate it off getting pressure with the defensive line and not having to blitz, and then sitting back in coverage and letting the pressure, hopefully creating pressure without bringing a blitz, and then allowing them to have blanket coverage. It hasn't always worked out that way. They have, I think, gone to blitzing a little bit more this season, but very much trying to just sort of, like, let let the offense make a mistake and capitalize on it, less so than creating a ton of havoc. It's just play sound, get after the ball as much. Speaking of the pass rush, who are the most impact players up front on the defense for Syracuse? I think there's two guys that are up front that are DNs that should have a good pass rush this weekend. Correct. Alan Robinson and Kendall Coleman each had 10 sacks last year. Um, they're the only, Syracuse are the only team in college football to return two players that had double-digit sacks last year. Um, those two are not on a similar pace in terms of just raw output this year, but I would say it's been more of a, it's been more of a group effort across the defensive line. I think someone who's really come on this year is uh, Josh Black, who like played defensive end as like a freshman undersized, and he's like he's moved inside now, and like obviously it's been like three years, and he's much larger. He's had a really good year. Kenneth Ruff on the inside has also had a strong year. Um, so it's been probably more of the development of the inside guys now starting to complement Robinson and Coleman more. And I also think Robinson and Coleman have better figured out uh, how to pass rush and sort of how how they they get scheme from opposing defenses Sands, Chris Slate in the middle um, SU's defensive tackle who got drafted 7th round by the Giants last year um, almost always got a double team and they don't sort of have that presence this year so I think they're, they're really have finally figured out sort of the, the protections and the schemes they'll get from opposing offensive line and then moving into like the linebacking core uh, what, how, what's their impact? Are they more of a coverage kind of unit or, they, or what's their weak strengths and weaknesses at linebacker? Um, they kind of go both ways with Lakeem Williams, I would say, is probably more of that 
uh, blitzing, athletic, like use him as a weapon, sort of try and disrupt the quarterback or stick him on a running back and pass coverage. Whereas Andrew Armstrong's your more traditional like run fill, uh, like sound tackling, you know, not necessarily getting beat by the quarterback's eyes and zone coverage, stuff like that. Um, last year it was a unit that really struggled in the first half and sort of turned a corner in the second half. And this year's been a little bit of the same. I don't think they started as badly. I don't think they've necessarily improved as much, but they've sort of grown as a solid unit throughout the year. I'd also say that uh, freshman Michael Jones, who hasn't played a ton as of late, but we could see definitely reemerge at any point this season, has been a nice little addition. He hasn't played a ton, but he's been He's flashed some some good stuff when he's played, and I know the coaching staff's really high on him going forward, so he's someone to watch out for. Then in the secondary, you mentioned uh, the nickel cornerback, but uh, are there any other impact guys, or or what's the experience in secondary? Um, Secondary is probably SU's best defensive group when they're healthy. They aren't right now again with Trill Williams, that that nickel bag. Unfortunately, they may not have him this weekend. Uh, Won't know that until maybe today or honestly this weekend and Antoine Cordy, but They'll have Andre Sisko, who led the nation in interceptions, playing safety, which is always a nice person to have on the back end alongside Evan Foster, who's just an experienced guy. Um, and then their strength is really a corner with Ifatu Melanfano healthy across from Christopher Frederick, who's Frederick's been just a guy who's been around. He's probably SU's best, just like straight up cover guy. Um, he's not physically like imposing or like super strong or super fast, but he's just good at covering receiver he does his job really well um and then Ifatu is actually he's a younger brother of Obi-Mellon Fonwu who he's Patriots special teamer these days or something like that but just like he's six foot three like really long um kind of blanket guy so outside on the boundary and like back end of the defense is probably where Syracuse is at its strongest defensively Moving on to special teams, does Syracuse have an advantage when it comes to the kicking game and the punting game as well? Uh, so Syracuse likes to call themselves special teams you this, these days, which is fair enough with a ridiculous punting average that I don't know off the top of my head, but he's he's just consistently kicks the ball 45 to 50 yards down the field. Like, he just has a big leg. He can conceivably play in the NFL and will if he wants to. And then Andre Schmidt last year as a redshirt freshman came on and made, like, off the top of my head, I want to say 30 of 34 field goals last year, which is ridiculous oh, wow. as a redshirt freshman. And the story goes, he basically just like started making kicks in camp, just didn't miss. And then he won the Luke Rose Award for the top kicker. Um, he's like 9 of 10 this year, so not a ton of volume. But big leg out to like 45, 50 makes it the, the rate you'd want a kicker to make. So nothing nothing remarkable, but Syracuse has a very they, – they pride themselves in their special teams and they are as good as – they want them to be. And this is kind of, we're in the middle of the Dino Babers era. So so far, what's what have you liked so far, and what's the outlook for the program as well in the future? Um, outlook on the program has sort of taken a turn, I guess, since beginning of the season. Obviously, coming off time wins last year were very high, and rightfully so. I don't think there was any reason for pessimism. Um, but I think it's sort of a little bit of a return to earth and remembering it all starts and ends with recruiting ultimately, and. Syracuse is still playing with a team mostly made up of three-star players. And that's not to say the teams with a lot of three-star players can't be very good. That was the same case last year. But more likely than not, it's the 7-5, and 8-4 season that's sort of the, the mean or the average, and you're, you're overachieving when you go 10-3. and three. And I think that's sort of the vibe that's setting in. Because I don't think this is a bad football team. I think this is a football team that's sort of figuring itself out. But I, I think the sort of ultimate 
you know, good sitting spot for Syracuse football is that like eight and four zone. And I think that's sort of where the outlook is shifting to now. Gotcha. And then I guess, do you have any predictions for this weekend? Um, I haven't watched Florida State much this year. I got to admit, I don't have my ACC network subscription, so I don't get a ton of uh, up and down the coast games. Um, I'll take Florida State just because the home field and I don't see Syracuse's offensive line problems like being sorted out in the next six days. But it, I, again, I think it's close. I think Syracuse's defense is too good for them to get blown out. So like something along the lines of like 31, 27, 24, something like that, somewhere in there about a touchdown. That's, that seems about right to me, and honestly, it could really switch <laughs> the, in Syracuse's favor as well, just depending on how the defense well, plays yeah, and how the offense like, plays. I was, I was talking to my friend last night of, like, Syracuse was effectively, like, a pick six away from being an OT with Pitt or, like, winning the game, so it's not like they haven't been blown out. They just have, it's sort of, like, demoralizing because they just, like, can't consistently move the ball. Right, and then kind of just finishing the drill, if you will. Florida State's had similar problems, just kind of finishing the game off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you for coming on. And uh, how can uh, my, my listeners and, and followers follow you? Uh, well, so we're we're always on dailyorange.com, D-A-I-L-Y-O-R-A-N-G-E.com, just how you would imagine. Um, and you can catch me on Twitter at A underscore E underscore Graham. And then you should, hopefully if you follow me, you'll end up seeing our other beat writers. It'll be uh, – Josh Schaefer's the only one making the flight down. He's at Schaefer underscore 44. That's with a C-H. And he'll be a good one to follow if you are interested in a Syracuse perspective during the game and beginning and after. This has been Episode 3 of the Believe in FSU Football Podcast. Thank you for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.